This podcast was made possible by the folks at Glendora Soap. If you've been wanting to try a new soap that doesn't have all the harsh chemicals found in store-bought soap, then you need to check out Glendora Soap. They are a small, family-owned business located in Lewisburg, West Virginia. They make all of their products from natural ingredients from things like shea butter and hemp seed oil. Everything is handmade in small batches. Glendora Soap also makes other bath and body products. So go to their website at www.glendorasoap.com and order your new bath and body products today and start pampering yourself because you deserve it. Tonight, we have a guest, Jody Cook. He is the head of the North American Dogman Project. And we talk about everything Dogman and some stuff not Dogman. It was a pretty interesting conversation. So, I'll ask you to sit back, relax, and enjoy this trip into the fringe. So, Jody Cook... You are in Cincinnati, and you are the head of the North American Dogman Project. Yep. So, what is a little bit of your background? Um, I know I'd seen something you you served in the military. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I spent uh, 20 years in the Army. Um, I served in Iraq. Um, I would be prior to that, I was a uh, deputy sheriff for about five years. Got into uh, like ufology, uh, cryptozoology while I was in the army. Um, I had a Bigfoot sighting uh, when I was in the army on a military base. And it just got, you know, I just kind of grew into it. I just found a fascination to it. Um, I, I dealt with a couple UFO type deals in the military that possibly could have been UFO type deals. Uh, when I was in the army and so forth. And I just, you know, like you said, I just fell into it and, you know, I loved it. And, you know, I did, you know, like you said, Bigfoot research for, you know, years, I still do some, but, you know, I kind of left the Bigfoot field because I mean, it's got so political, not really political became a click is the best way to put it. You know, it was always the same people doing the conferences you know, from one conference to another conference to another conference, they never wanted to listen to new stuff from new people. You know, like I live in Ohio, we had the Ohio Bigfoot conference that ran, you know, for probably 20 years, maybe, you know, um, myself, along with other Ohio researchers who never invited to, to speak at that conference, they would always bring an outside, you know, researcher, because they 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 had they did they didn't want somebody to have something that they didn't have right you know in 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 the, in the bigfoot field it's like you know it's all name recognition okay and they would rather somebody with name recognition get the million dollar photo right okay it, it does uh, sound yeah. like uh, when you see and you listen to some of the stuff, it is very ego driven. It seems, you know, mm-hmm. it, it it's it it does sound a little there, political, and you hear that a lot. It, it, it is. There's a lot of people in the in in the Bigfoot field 
that's in it for other reasons than mm. cryptozoology. You know, yeah. I'm really good friends with a lot of people, mm. okay, in the field. And I can name five of them off the top, you know, on my hand. Mm. Who I truly believe are in this field strictly for fame, notoriety, and money, okay? And not for the the research. And, and, and I'm, I'm serious. And there's a lot of people that agree with me. But the thing of it is, the, you're, the, the guy you don't want to listen to is the guy that probably has the stuff that, that's going to be opening the door right. to finding out what it is. And, and they don't want that. Right. You know, um, it, it's like, you know, I, um, I, had a, I had a table at the Ohio Bigfoot Conference one year. I had a new book coming out. And uh, the guy that now runs the Ohio Bigfoot Conference wouldn't let me have the table because I had a new book coming out. That oh, the, you, you yeah. Have, yeah, you have a new book coming out. I, you know, I, I don't want that book to override the, the speakers and stuff that's here. So, you know, uh, he denied me my table strictly Dang. on that. So, I, you know, it, it's nuts. I mean, that's the kind of stuff you deal with in the Bigfoot field. And, that, and I said, you know, I'm tired of it. Now, so, how many books have you written? Because I saw a mention of that. I think it said, was it 13? 13 of them. Some of them not even imprinted yet. Or, okay. uh, or, I mean, they're not even, uh, you can't even get them anymore. Um, mm. and, and so forth. I mean, I, I got into, uh, I ended up suing a, another researcher. Because I wrote a book. and Well, actually, I wrote two books. And... Um, he printed out two books and they were very similar to mine. Okay. Mine came out a year and a half before his did. Right. And he came back and said, well, I stole the information from him. Okay. Even though my book came out uh, a year and a half before his and him and his group basically went on Amazon and just gave bad reviews on all my books. I mean, the real bad, you know, reviews. And I told him, I said, you know, um, I, we can go to court, okay, because I could prove my book was out you know, a year and a half before you. I've got the right. research to back it up. You basically took my stuff and put it in your book, okay, because yeah. I ended up buying two of his books. And it's the same, it's the same stuff, word for word, right. you know. So uh, I told him, I said, you know, what you have to do, you, you remove all the comments and we'll let it go. And he refused to do that. So I uh, contacted Amazon. Amazon refused to move the con They said they have the right to do that. I said, even though they're false comments, that, you know, you're still allowed. So I ended up having to end up suing the guy. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and, and so forth. But uh, to this day, am even though I won the lawsuit, Amazon still will not remove any of the negative feedbacks on the books so i just went ahead and said screw it i won't sell the book anymore i you know Man. i pulled a lot of them so i won't you know sell the book because you know if someone's leaving bad comments about it because they're jealous of you then no one's going to buy the book they're going to read the comments right so yeah it, it, it and that's that's how you that's how it is in the field man it sucks yeah it really does that's unfortunate you know because you would think that the more experiences and the more information out there, the better that everybody no, would be able to it, figure no things out. No one wants to work. No one wants to work together because, yeah. you know, when you have people in the field, they want to get that million dollar picture or video or, right. you know, that ride on witness or whatever, mm -hmm. because they want the notoriety and it's, it's very cutthroat. Mm -hmm. The dog man is the same way. Um, there's a lot of people in that field, very notoriety people in that field mm -hmm. that doesn't like the fact that, you know, people are getting noticed and their information is getting noticed yeah. and things. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's creating a problem and, you know, it's, it's like, you know, we're all here for a common goal. Yeah. Okay. Let's work together, you know, and, but no one wants to work together. That's, that's the whole thing. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why you have all these different organizations out there and no one wants to work together 
And if you say something, there's one organization out there that's constantly putting pictures out, constantly mm. putting pictures out, and a whole lot of it's shadow and light. I mean, right? You know, but you can't sit there and post a picture and say, "Oh, yeah, this is dog man." Right. Uh, you know, and if you say something, you're the bad guy. Right. Yeah. Now you said you had seen a Bigfoot that that's what got you interested. Yeah. Uh, can you recount a little bit of that or kind of tell us a little yeah, bit about yeah. what happened? Um, there? I was an instructor on the 50 caliber range. Okay. And we had a range set up and we were, you know, getting people qualified on the 50 caliber machine gun. And, um, it was like a week long course. Okay. So basically we kind of stayed out there with the ammunition and the weapons and so forth. There was a large group of us that, you know, we're doing this. So we were getting the ammunition. We were taking care of the ammunition. Uh, the weapons were going with someone else. So the weapons were all gone. We were counting the ammunition up, you know, collecting the brass and everything and, you know, getting it in the vehicle and getting going uh, to the ASB, which is the ammo supply dump. And so we were going down, going, you know, through the roads and stuff, and it was getting late. It was like on a Friday, and we're like, you know, the ASP is going to close, you know, if we don't get there. Otherwise, we would have been stuck to stay with the ammunition and everything till Monday morning. And we decided to kind of go off-road to get there a little bit quicker. So we are going down this hill. The tree line was getting really thick. So we decided to, you know, stop and just back up and go back up the hill and just take the road. So as we were doing backing up, um, something moved in front of us. We thought maybe you know, a tree was falling. I mean, it was big. And he was about 10, 12, 15 feet, no further than 15 feet away from us. I mean, he was that close to us. And it's still light out, Okay. And even though we were in the woods, it was still light enough you could see because the sun was coming through the trees. Um, he's about seven feet or so, um, extremely muscular body, uh, reddish brown hair because the light was on it. That's kind of what it looked like. Mm. Um, long arms, long legs, uh, long fingers. Um, like I said, very muscular. Um, his chest. Um, had like hardly any hair on his chest up on like the upper part of his arm, his shoulder, uh, right around his head and stuff. Uh, the skin was very flaky. It kind of looked like mange a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, um, he was probably an older male, um, very human face, very human face, uh, massive jaw, a flat nose. Um, had a satchel crest on his head, uh, like a gorilla, um, right. small ears, um, eyes. When you looked at us from like the sunlight hitting them, you know, cause the sun was kind of like behind us, they were like a blackish red color. You know, there was like yeah. no white, no white whatsoever in the eye. Um, and he, he, when he moved now, if you're looking straight, he would have been moving from left to our right. Mm -hmm. And it was like a glide. I mean, it was really like a glide and he just looked at us. We looked at him and he went deeper into the woods. We got back up on the road. No one said anything. There's four of us. Um, you know, we didn't talk. We decided when we got back to the ASP jump, um, dump the, uh, Dropped the, you know, the ammo off and everything, went back to the Gatomit area and kind of sat there and kind of talked about it a little bit, said, you know, look, we're not going to say anything. <laughs> you know, it, it, it just, it's not worth it. Because, like, earlier that week when they were doing lanes, um, lanes is just basically um, you're doing maneuvers and you have a couple officers standing in distance kind of critiquing what's going on to see how well you do things and so mm -hmm. forth. So they had a tent out there and when they went back to their tent, there was one that was going through their tent and they reported it. 
and they got a lot of they got laughed at and all this stuff. Yeah. But it, the, the thing of it is, it was very common to see them and on that post in the, you know, in the training areas, right. You would constantly find tracks. Um, you would hear it at night, uh, when you're, you know, on bivouac or, you know, out training and stuff, you would hear this thing yell and scream. So everybody knew that there was something there. Uh, people have seen it. It never harmed anybody, never hurt anybody. Now, was there you know, just the thought that there was like one or was there multiple of them or there's, there's probably multiple on this, on this base, you know, okay. there was, there was one guy told me on that base, they were, they had, um, a 50 cal, uh, set up on, on a different range where they had some old, uh, armored vehicles out there and they were doing target practice on the armored vehicles and they had, um, Oh, I'm trying to think what vehicle that was. I think maybe like M18 or something. Mm. Um, it was an old troop carrier um, that the Bradley fighting machine uh, ended up taking place of. Uh, and the back kind of opens up and the troops come out and so forth. Right. And they were shooting at one. And the guy said, you know, this Bigfoot just comes running out of of it while they were firing on it. Didn't hit, hit the Bigfoot or kill it, but they, you know, uh, the range master told him, you know, stop firing, stop firing. You know, you know, you can't kill these things, you know, and he ran, he, you know, they watched this thing run. So it was staying inside one of these old troop carriers out in the range there. I mean, you hear different stories like that. So to clarify, when he said you can't kill them, does he mean like you can't physically kill them or the military does not allow you to kill them? The, well, the military is not going to allow you to kill it first, oh, yeah. first okay. off. Okay. Um, and because it's on a military reservation and something like that, the paperwork and the investigation would be just enormous. Not imagine. Okay. Um, and if this thing is close to a human, okay, then that's going to put a lot of mental anguish on the person that killed it oh absolutely you know and and so forth so um and if you kill one you're looking at retaliation anyhow so mm -hmm. and and you know common sense tells you when an animal comes running out you don't shoot it you don't go shooting deers and stuff like that out i mean right especially you don't discharge your weapon on a military installation other than the target you're told to shoot right okay <laughs> plain yeah. and simple that's the best that's the best way to put it. So, uh, and, and like you said, that was one of the stories. Um, there's guys that, you know, like you said, that, you know, they're on the trucks going down the road and they see one. It, it was just a very common thing, right? you know, for, for people to, to see them. Now, Bigfoot and Dogman, I mean, I guess they're not similar, but I guess if out of a glance, if you just saw one, kind of dark behind a tree i imagine that they're are they similar in size or a bigfoot's normally bigger would be bigger uh, dog dog dogman is about you know about seven feet in length okay but they're mm -hmm. very slender okay very slender body right bigfoot is is massive okay. you know i i was going through um some of my reports that i did investigations in the 80s okay now here in ohio dogman was really kind of far and fetched to hear from mm -hmm. the biggest case in Ohio dealing with the dog man was a defiance Ohio case <clears throat> that took place in 1972 that literally went worldwide mm -hmm. where this dog man harassed this town for, you know, close to a week. And it actually attacked several workers on a railroad, um, in a, in a, uh, railroad yard. Mm -hmm. Um, multiple people were seeing them. The police got to the point that in order to calm people down is that they had to say, yes, this thing was wearing clothing. So it got the name werewolf. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or wolf man. It, there's no one ever seen this thing wearing clothes. The police were the ones that basically put that in there to make people think that it was somebody dressed up. Yeah. Okay. Cause they didn't know how to handle the situation. 
I mean, this thing was killing livestock. It was killing cows. It was killing, you know, sheep. It was attacking horses. And at the time, Ohio had no predators mm-hmm. other than coyotes that can do that. And they're saying, oh, it was a bear. Well, the DNR, the Ohio Department of Natural Resources, said that bear never came to Ohio to 1982. Okay. Now, they, every once in a while, a rogue one did come in from Pennsylvania or West Virginia. Mm-hmm. But basically what they would do, they would migrate down from Pennsylvania, come through Ohio and go through West Virginia mm-hmm. and right back up. Well, Ohio has one of the largest deer populations, the food source, the roadkill. Right. So they basically stayed because the food source was was there for them. Right. So the population would you know, went from, you know, two counties, five counties to 10 counties. Now it's like 44 counties out of 88 counties that have black bear in Ohio. But in 1972, there was no predator that was big enough to take down and kill a cow. Okay. Um, A pack of coyotes probably could have done it. Um, They probably would have gave up maybe. But there was nothing else to do it. So with that being said, this this thing harassed, like you said, this town for almost a week, and then it's gone. Right. So right by Defiance is Silver Creek Park. Okay, and Silver Creek Park is very well known for a lot of dogman sightings in that park. A lot of dogman sightings, and they're. And that's in Norton, Ohio. So there's probably 50 miles, mm-hmm. give or take, uh, you know, from from Defiance. Now, there's rumor, and I can never get Stephen King. I wrote him, and I can never get him to give me the straight answer that the book um, or the movie Silver Bullet, okay, um, Circle of Werewolves, was actually – brainstormed from the defiance ohio case because everything in that show reflects on defiance ohio okay in the movie the first you know the first night there's a guy on the railroad uh, station that gets killed that happened on the first night of defiance case okay this thing was harassing the town people were being attacked people were seeing it people were leaving okay Mm -hmm. so but he would never really confirm it he kind of laughed it off so i you know it probably that's where he got the story from. Man, you know, you know, honestly, when you say dog man, like the image in that movie is what comes to mind. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's exactly because, you know, when, when you have to understand when, when, when Stephen King did that, mm-hmm. that was like the really first time you ever seen a full werewolf like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. You, you didn't see. Most of the werewolves were were like your Lon Chaney style werewolves, right. where they were having clothes on. The that was the first one you you saw like that that was full body, right. you know, like a like a dog, and that's exactly how it was at the in Defiance. So you know that's what I'm saying. I you know you probably got all that stuff from, from the defiance, you know, and it's, it's one of the best movies. And then from there on, mm-hmm. that's when you start seeing a lot more of these were or werewolves and that full body. Right. <clears throat> you know, dog man, no one ever used the name dog man because dog man was the name that was created by Linda Goffrey when okay. he came to, um, the beast of Bray road. Mm-hmm. So everybody would always notice it or call it as a werewolf. Yeah. Now I think so, you uh, had heard you in an interview and you explained it pretty well when you said that uh, a werewolf is like uh, a, a transition from a human to it, it, an animal. It's, it's it's a it's a transition from one organism to another yeah. organism. Okay, which is biologically impossible. Right. Okay. Um. I you know I I talk with veterinarians. I talk with doctors. See, I, I do that. I do this a lot because you're going to have people that's always going to counter you on what you said. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I'll, I'll explain to you why I'm saying why why I said that. So when I talk to a doctor and a veterinarian about transformation, 
one organism going to another. They kind of laugh, but you know, they kind of understand what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. It's your bone structure could not handle it. Right. Okay. Your bones would have to be cartilage, like a cartilage where it's able to stretch and reform your organisms like your kidneys, your livers, your lung, things like that would just get totally destroyed. Right. In, in the process. Okay. Because the organs cannot mutate into a different shape. Right. Okay. Without damaging itself. So that's why it's kind of impossible for that to, to happen. Now, when I say that, you know, you always have someone that argues with you. I talked about, you know, um, say Dogman for an example. When a Dogman's out, you know, okay, he's going to spend every weekend, every waking moment looking for food. Yeah. Okay. He's not going to sleep for eight hours, get up, and go look for food. Okay. He has to sustain a calorie intake for each day to survive. Right. Okay. In order for him not to get weak so he can protect himself against other predators. So he'll find food, he'll sleep, he'll get up and do it again. Now, canines have a really big problem with goring themselves. Okay. They'll gore themselves and gore themselves to throw it up and they'll eat it again. Okay. It's, it's like that saying dogs will eat themselves to death. Okay. And really realistic, they, they, they can, but they normally don't, but it can happen in canines. Now I, I asked veterinarians about that. I even went to Purina and talked to one of their dietitians about that. And they say, yeah, dogs can eat themselves to death because they can gore themselves and they can cause a lot of issues in their stomach mm -hmm. that that can cause their stomach to twist and tie and basically kill themselves. Wow. OK, so I had a um, Canadian biologist who argued with me about this. You know, and, you know, he's saying dogs cannot gore themselves dogs cannot kill themselves to death well yeah they can because i did my research i talked to several veterinarians who said they can do it i talked to several dietitians from like perina um there was a uh, uh blue max there was another one i ended up talking to um about it you know when i was doing my research on it because it was for a show i was doing so i wanted to make sure that, you know, if I'm saying something, I'm saying something correct and I can back up. So I had, you know, evidence from trained people who know about the sub about that, that backed that up. And he argued, or it was she, she argued and argued with me about this on a show, you know, and it, it, it says, you know, do, do the research yourself, you know, and she refused to do the research. Right. So I ended up coming back on the show and I did, I showed my research and, you know, that was the end of it. She never countered it again. And and that's how you deal. And that's the problem you have when, when you talk about certain things that, you know, people don't, don't agree with it mm -hmm. and, and they get upset about it. Right. It, it and that's what that's what the problem with the field. No one wants to have an open mind. And if they do have an open mind about things, they don't want to accept what other people are saying. Perfect example. Well, you you knew about the LBL case about the lone survivor, correct? Yeah. OK. For those who, who are listening, who not familiar with that, a family was allegedly massacred in the early 1980s at land between the lakes by a dog man. Okay. Now this individual comes forward last year saying that he was a survivor of that attack. Okay. So it caused a lot of controversy. Okay. Now like myself, um, Kumbo, um, Bart Nutley, uh, JC Johnson, uh, Jan Thompson, who all investigated, who spent, has 30 years 
each under our belt investigating the LBL who talked to numerous witnesses, law enforcement, non-law enforcement. No one has ever heard anything about a survivor at LBL. Right. Okay. So this guy claims he was a survivor. Well, he had all these people just believing this guy's story. And the problem was the people who believed him were people who were enthusiasts in the field, who've never been out to the field, who sit behind a computer and watch YouTube all day about Dogman, listens to different podcasts about Dogman, but never, ever gone out to the field looking for him. Right. Okay. So that became a very, very dangerous situation where this guy was getting a lot of attention and people like myself and Bart Nutley and Tumbo and all them who were calling him out mm-hmm. saying, eh, your story doesn't make sense. Okay. Uh, there was no survivor because if there was one of us would have heard about it. Okay. Especially JC Johnson, who is investigated dog man at mm-hmm. LBL prior to the massacre at land between the lakes in the eighties. Okay. If anybody, if anybody would have heard about a survivor, it would have been JC Johnson. Right. Okay. Funny you bring JC Johnson up because I talked to him quite a bit when I was out in Colorado. mm -hmm. So, um, you know, definitely, you know, it's unfortunate rest in peace, but, uh, yes. Yeah. He was, he was a, he really good guy. We actually, we did a documentary on land between the lakes and he, mm -hmm. We interviewed him for that documentary. And um, like you said, if and we talked a lot about um, the massacre. Right. And like you said, if anybody would have known anything, he would have said it. Right. He would have said, yes, there, there was a story about a boy being a survivor. Because uh, he would have been, if anybody would have known about it, it would have been J.C. Johnson. Okay, it would have been him, and he never knew anything about it. Yeah, yeah, so, he was very, uh, uh, very straightforward person. Like he, yes, <laughs> you know, like yeah. he wasn't afraid to tell you what was on his mind. No, and, and so, people respected him. Yeah, and I wish J.C. Johnson was alive today, mm-hmm. where he could have sat there and called this guy out. And if J.C. Johnson was alive today and called this guy out, that that story would have died right there. Right. Okay, it literally would have died right there. So uh, that's like you said, then that's a problem you have in the field. You have all these people that Mm. want to attack people like us because we called them out because they want something so bad to believe in. That they get so upset because you want to listen to people that has years and years and years investigating laying between the lakes. I've been investigated since 1987. Okay. And I've been down there hundreds of times and I've talked to multiple witnesses, law enforcement officers, people who work there, people who live there, you know, no one ever said anything about a survivor. Right. Whatsoever. You know, so so that's the kind of stuff you deal with. Let me ask you this dog man, as we know it, where do you think it originates? Where does it come from? How, how does it come about? It, I, I believe it's something that's always been there. Mm-hmm. I think they were in very, very small numbers. And, you know, throughout the years, they were pop, just like Bigfoot, mm-hmm. their populations grew. We're seeing more and more of them because we're basically, going into their environment and building homes, logging, things like that. So you're getting more and more sightings, you know, of them. So, okay. When our organization does an investigation, okay. Mm-hmm. We break things into different categories, flesh and blood, supernatural or extraterrestrial. Right. Okay. Depending on what type of sighting the individual had. So, and I've talked to Linda Goffrey about this uh, numerous times, and I agree with her 
this is a different species of canine, which is very close to a wolf. Right. That is capable of walking on two legs. Um, that is problem solving, extremely intelligent, and very dangerous. Do they mate with domestic wolves? There's a possibility that they do. Um, and then you would still have that, you know, that offspring that has that capability, walk on two legs and, you know, look more werewolfish than, you know, uh, a typical wolf. Now, you know, we, we talked about JC Johnson a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, one of the first times I ever heard a dog man was, uh, with the stories coming out of Skinwalker, Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it definitely seems like they've made their way out that way or they're in that area. And they, they've been in that area. Yeah. They've been there for decades. And the thing about the Skinwalker Ranch, what a lot of people don't understand. Um, I, I, I don't want to use that word. They don't understand what um, they're not caring about. It's the best way to put it okay. is that there's a lot more going on outside of Skinwalker Ranch than they are actually going on inside Skinwalker Ranch. Right. And say JC Johnson did the investigations outside right. of Skinwalker Ranch because there was more activity that was going on out there mm -hmm. that he was getting that he would have gotten if he would have investigated inside Skinwalker Ranch. Now he's yeah. been in that ranch. Mm -hmm. He's been there. Okay. He's one of the very few people that has actually was able to get into Skinwalker Ranch. Mm -hmm. But he was he was able to get a lot more outside. Right. So. Oh, yeah. I uh, mean, there's tons of stories around there about yeah, the stuff. I mean, yeah. I mean, the stuff that he has done. And I mean, I mean, the guy was probably the best dog man researcher there is. I mean, he was doing this before Linda Godfrey was. Right. Okay. So, I mean, he, he's been, he was doing that in his very, very, very young years. Mm-hmm. You know, um, his wife, you know, was Native American. You know, he was able to get all this information from the Native American um, tribes that were around there. They trusted him, giving him stories and, you know, information and so forth. Uh, he got a lot of stuff. And the sad thing about it is that he really never got the recognition he truly deserved. Right. Yeah, you know, the, uh, let's see here, I think, what is it, the Southern Ute was, was it the Southern Ute that was the the big reservation that's right next to where the ranch is? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they don't really, if you're an outsider, they don't really talk to you a whole lot about that kind of stuff. No, they don't. It's very hard dealing with Native Americans when it comes to, like, Bigfoot, Dogman, mm -hmm. Skinwalker, yeah. and things like that. Because like here in Ohio, you know, you have the Shawnee and you have uh, the Cherokee, mm. um, which are the two main, you know, tribes that were here. The Shawnee was here before they moved them out west. And we have a lot of Indian mounds all across the state of Ohio. We have Native American museums and so forth here. And um, the, the Cherokee, they're, they're pretty good at opening up with you right. and talking about stuff the shiny they don't want nothing to do with you they don't want to talk to you uh they'll deal with you if they have to mm -hmm. um you 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 can talk and become friends with some of them uh, i became really good friends with a storyteller and um uh who's a shiny storyteller uh this guy would go all around ohio kentucky indiana you know tell native american stories and so forth and <clears throat> we became really good friends and he ended up trusting me and we talked about this and he goes like, there's things I would love to show you that I can't, your evilness will bring them out mm. and we will have to deal with that. And he was very adamant about it. And I understood that. And it's like, you know, I can understand that, you know, but that's, that's how the Shawnee are. And that's how a lot of these native American tribes are. You know, uh, you know, they believe that evilness can bring out this stuff. It's the thing with, you know, skinwalkers. J.C. Johnson truly believed that. 
that with the skinwalkers, with the whites in these areas, they're the ones bringing out these skinwalkers. And the Native Americans basically have to deal with it. And they don't want to deal with it. What does a normal encounter consist of with a dog man? Like, is, is there kind of a, I don't want to say like a M.O. to a dog man, but like. No, it, it, every every encounter is different. Right. Um, you know, most people, on most encounters that we get, small things happen before the actual sighting takes place. Okay. Um, small animals missing in the area. Uh, they find kills that were kills and not eaten on. Right. Um, they see, you know, when they have a heavy activity of, um, smaller animals, deers, that stuff kind of dies down a little bit. Um, they hear things outside their house at night. They hear sounds, uh, things like that. Right. And then the sighting takes place. It builds up, okay? Now, we've had some situations where, you know, the sighting took place first, and then all this other harassment-type stuff took place afterwards. Mm-hmm. You know, a perfect example here in Ohio and Akron, there was a guy that lives out in this rural area. Um, you know, neighbors were, you know, half mile away from his house. You know, that's how far he was out. He got a dog kennel, raised German shepherds, um, a lot of woods around in his area. Never, never had any issues whatsoever until him and his daughter was out walking in the woods and saw one. And then once they made eye contact, that's when hell broke loose. Right. This thing came in and was killing his dogs, his shepherds, killed eight of them out of 15. Man, those and are pretty, I, I, I've uh, got, pretty yeah, protective dogs, too. Dogs, yeah. And I've got pictures of the dogs that were attacked. I've got x-rays of them. Um, I've got a video where it showed where it tore the back of the kennel open and went in and killed that dog, that shepherd. Wow. You know, um, yeah, and he he packed up and left. He said, you know, I'm losing money. You know, I don't want to have to end up waking up in the middle of the night. And this thing's, you know, in my bedroom. Right. You know, single father, young daughter. You know, uh, it's it's crazy. Right. That's how, that's how sightings happen. You have a few where you just see something mm-hmm. and you had a sighting. Nothing ever takes place afterwards. Right. Now, do they follow like a canine mentality, I guess? And and when I say that, I mean like, uh, you know, there are certain like habits that certain animals have. For example, like if you see a mountain lion, you're not supposed to run from it because then like it triggers the it chase. It's prey. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Uh, now are, are dogmen kind of similar like with their mentality as far as comparing them with canines and dogs and stuff like that? Well, you know, the, the thing of it is what we tell people are, are like our um, our members and things like that. You know, you encounter one, you know, keep it in view, but don't look at it in the eyes. Because when you look at a predator in the eyes, that you're challenging it. Okay. Same thing like with primates. You know, whenever, you know, you see these people out in the uh, jungle next to gorillas and stuff, they mm-hmm. always have their heads down because they're telling them. You, you don't look them in the eye mm-hmm. because you're challenging them. Same thing with dogs. I mean, I've got a large German Shepherd. I look, I mean, when I'm, you know, not disciplining him, but trying to get his attention to mm-hmm. stop, yeah. I look at him in the eye and he'll bark at me. Right. Because they see that as a challenge. And, you know, I, I tell people, you know, don't look at it in the eye, but keep them in the view. Don't run. Stand your ground. The thing with the thing about predators, predators normally will not attack you if you stand your ground. Right. You know, uh, because you're big, most of the time you're bigger than them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cause you're standing up. Um, now wolves have a tendency. Wolves will stand up on their hind legs to other wolves to give the impression that they're much larger. And I've got a lot of photographs to back that up. Interesting. I didn't, okay? I, I so didn't know will, that. 
Yeah, so they, they will do that. They will stand up to to show that they're bigger to back down the predator. Um, bears, bears, you know, they're nuisance animals. Bears get scared easy. Yeah. Um, you know, they'll run from you. You know, let's say unless it's a mama's mm-hmm. bear, then you have, then you have to worry. But most yeah. of the time, you know, you, if you scream or you know yell or pick up a stick, they're, they're going to run. You know, most of the time they're not going to sit there and challenge you because uh, they just don't want the confrontation. Mm-hmm. Dogman's a whole different thing. You know, you don't want to give him a reason to attack you. Move slowly. Mm-hmm. Don't turn your back on it. You know, and just get out of the area. Uh, you know, but if, if he continues to follow you, you know, pick up a stick, bang a tree with it, scream or yell, just let him know that you're going to stay in his ground. But with that being said, that could also be a challenge. So you have to be careful on what you deal with. But here's the thing. If he's going to get you, he would have got you and you would have never known he was there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Think about that. How yeah. many times have you been out to the woods and a deer ran out in front of you? Yeah. All right. Because the deer was there. You didn't see it because he blended in to the environment. Yeah. He, knew you, were, he knew you were there a long time yeah, ago. He, he knew you were there. Yeah. And how many people have walked by a Bigfoot or a dogman, you know, or a predator yeah. and not even know it? Because they blend into the environment yeah. so much. I often wonder that don't... when I'm out in the woods and in the forest and stuff. How, how many times yeah. you're walking past something that's just chilling, yeah. letting you letting yeah. you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's letting you go because predators normally will not attack you if they already ate. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, like I said, you just gotta you gotta watch your surroundings. Always look everywhere. Right. Behind you, front of you, always on the ground. You know, um, depending on where you are, I mean, you know, especially if there are a lot of leaves on the ground, you have copperheads, right? you know, that, you know, very dangerous. Yeah. You know, the good thing about copperheads is that, you know, they, they kind of put off a smell of like radish or onion, yeah. you know, so you kind of, if you smell that, you kind of know that there's one around. So, so you kind of yeah. have to sit and watch it. Give it a wide berth and avoid yeah. the area. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, Bob, our Bob, our Bobcat and, you know, mountain lions and stuff, they'll stalk you. You'll be able to hear and see them. Yeah. You know, that was the thing I was always kind of afraid of out in Colorado was the, the mountain lions. I wasn't so worried about really mm-hmm. much anything else, but those I were, I was a little bit worried about. Now, talking about the canine, like, mentality, I guess, you know, you think of, you know, you've mentioned wolves a couple of times, and now wolves run in packs. Is it possible that dog men run in packs as well? Or is that something that you I, I believe they heard? do. I mean, I believe you have a rogue one, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of moves away from the pack a little bit. Maybe he's out scouting or he lost the pack and he's trying to find the pack or he's just doesn't want anything to do with them. Right. You know, you know, he's one of those like, you know, you know, dad, it's time for me to move on, you know, type right. thing, you know? Yeah. And, and he'll come back when he realizes that, you know, it doesn't work out. So, I mean, you have that type of situation. But the thing of it is, with, with, with Dogman, what we've been getting a lot of reports on is that, you know, lately these things have been letting you see them. Mm-hmm. And that's a worrisome right there because with, if, they're, if a predator is going to let you see it, there's most likely one going to be flanking you from behind or off to the side. Right. Okay. So that's what you got to stay vigilant. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, we get reports where that has happened, where they've seen or heard one off on their side. Now, Dave Lady is one of our investigators. He um, was actually on the show. Um, These woods are haunted. Mm-hmm. And he was out and, um, going down a road one night with his wife, with her trailer, and something hits the side of his trailer, his mobile home, rather. So he gets out, looks, and the back light's busted, and he heard two popping sounds, and then he saw one. So he had a three fifty seven with him, and at that time, another one blanked him on his right. Mm-hmm. 
and he shot it point blank in the chest. You know, didn't do anything, he said. But that's the kind of stuff that, you know, you have to watch for when you're dealing with Dogman. That there's possible chance there's always going to be another one out there. Yeah. With that, uh, you know, something comes up that that kind of has my curiosity is the missing 411 stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think any of these could be attributed to Dogman? There's a there's a possibility. Okay, um, what we're working on right now, we're like I said, we've been trying under the Freedom of Information Act from the U.S. Forestry Service to get um, a map or something showing bear attacks across the United States. Right. And what we're trying to do is coincide dogman attacks with bear attacks to see if there's a possible chance that, you know, uh, a dog, you know, a dogman attack was reported as a bear attack. Because it could be covered up very easy by the authorities. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that and that kind of, you know, almost seems like it almost seems like the missing four one one stuff too. Is like that this stuff's going on, but it does seem like there's a there's well, you an know, the air thing of about cover 411, Well, the thing about the four one one, you know, with David Pilates is, is <clears throat> what I have an issue with. Okay. I I read his books. Mm-hmm. He does not really um, say that it was Bigfoot, Dogman, UFO, abduction, yeah. you know, all that other kind of stuff. Okay? He doesn't say any of that. Right. But, but what he wants you to do is believe that's what it is. Right. But he won't go and say it. Yeah. He's saying it without saying it. He's saying it without saying it. Yeah, yeah, that's the best way to put it. You know. Yeah, I, so. I could see that. You know, it, it it it's always been interesting. You know, especially when you're talking about uh, big cryptids like this. You know, dog man, Bigfoot. Um, it always makes you wonder what the the relationship between them and humans are. Sometimes, and you know, sometimes it sounds like it doesn't end too well. No. So you know, you know, Bigfoot is not this um monster you we see in the movies and mm-hmm. where he goes into the campsite and he rips everybody apart and eats your livers and stuff you know right. i mean that's that's all hollywood i mean mm-hmm. he's he's a docile animal mm-hmm. you know he's gonna protect his family any more than anybody else will he's gonna protect his area he's gonna throw rocks he's gonna scream he's gonna throw trees your branches and stuff like that at you you know, to get you to leave the area, he's going to, you know, chase you, things like that. But I don't think he's going to purposely kill you Mm -hmm. because he's not stupid. He knows what a gun is. I'm telling you, they know what guns are. Right. right? And he knows that they can hurt you. Mm -hmm. So he's, and he can relate a gun with a human because of honey. And he's not going to put himself in that situation. Dogman might be a different thing. Mm -hmm. You, did some work for MUFON and, and I'm wondering what your thoughts are on, is there any correlation between say Bigfoot dog man and UFOs? Well, I, I didn't do anything with MUFON. I belong to a separate UFO group. Oh, my apologies. Um, Sorry. No, not, not a problem. Not a problem. I just wanted to make that clear. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I, I'll be honest with you. When I did UFO research, I did it for probably about five years or mm-hmm. so um, before we even I even did the Bigfoot stuff. Mm-hmm. I never truly believed that there was a Bigfoot UFO connection. Okay. Okay. I believe is that, you know, um, you know, humans were being abducted. Mm-hmm. Possible chance Bigfoots were being abducted too, you know, just like, you know, they abduct animals and things like that. Uh, Bigfoot being something unique, he was being studied. They probably took DNA from him, you know, body fluids, things like that. Mm-hmm. And when people would see, you know, UFO and you'd see a Bigfoot, they were probably dropping them off. 
Hmm. after being abducted. I don't think he's an alien. I don't think he's a pet of an alien. I don't think he's a criminal from another planet that was left here. Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't think there's any correlation other than they, you know, he was abducted and, you know, uh, being studied just like humans. And, you know, that's how the two connect, you know, right. Um, when it comes to dog man and things, I, you know, same thing. You know, I, I, talk to plenty of people who believe that, you know, dog man is an extraterrestrial. There's an extraterrestrial species of canine. Um, but that's, that's all you have. You know, you have to take what, take it like a grain of salt, you know, but when it comes to, with our organization, with dog men, believe it or not, Majority of the stuff is supernatural, mm-hmm. very supernatural, more than it is flesh and blood and extraterrestrial. Right. You know, um, you know, coming through portals, uh, telepathy and communications, uh, these things working with humans, uh, a lot of crazy ideals that you could possibly think of is somewhere within that realm of supernatural right now in saying that uh it kind of goes into the next thing i was wanting to talk to you about uh what types of tools do you use when you're doing investigations um in order to you know say prove uh these sightings and whatnot well when we go out to the field you take your basic equipment, you take trail cams, mm. uh, you take your video camera, your regular camera. Um, what we'll do is we'll set a bait trap up and put trail cams on the bait trap, and then we'll put pheromones out. Okay, now what we do is we've been doing this for years, and now this other organization's doing it, and they're claiming they were doing it first, but we've been doing this for years, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, we we use wolf urine um, because I work with a, a couple sanctuaries. I'm able to get urine, male and female. I'm able to get hair from different species of wolves. So we use those pheromones in the field. Mm-hmm. Now, um, normally during the summer and stuff, we'll use male um, urine in the fall will use female because that's when they're in mating season. Right. Okay. So hopefully it will draw something in being a uh, female in heat, you know, within that species. So we use those different type of uh, techniques. We'll set up, you know, trail cams on the area. We'll set uh, listening posts in the area and observing posts on those particular areas. And it's it's a, you know, waiting up a hurry type situation. Right. Now, you can leave those areas alone because you have cameras on them and you can go out and look for evidence. Mm-hmm. Any type of physical evidence that the thing was in the area, you can have time to talk to your witnesses. You know, you go back to base camp, get the things you need to get done at base camp, and then you come back and, you know, you follow through on um, the rest of the investigation on Checking your trail cams, your bait, uh, pheromones, things like that. Right. So basically, that's how we do things. Um, a lot of Bigfoot researchers do things very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, it's it's a luck thing. It's by luck. By luck. Yeah. You know, if if you find evidence or find find it. Right. You know, and, and when you find tracks you have to be very careful in determining are they canine tracks like domestic dog, uh, coyote, or if there's wolves in the area, mm-hmm. things like that. You have to, you know, you gotta be very careful just because you find a very large track doesn't mean it's a dog man track. Right. Now, if you find a track size of a bear, then you probably have something, mm-hmm. you know, most, domestic dogs depending on the breed like i my german shepherd you know he's 140 pounds he's a big boy 
Yeah. I mean, he's not fat. He's muscle. Yeah. You know, um, you know, when I like, I had a situation where I had to take him to the vet yesterday, mm-hmm. and there was two other German shepherds in there that was his same age, and he dwarfed both of them. Right. You know, so you have to understand when you're out there, we, you know, just get, I mean, they're large breeds of dogs out there mm-hmm. that can leave very large tracks, and that you have to be careful when dealing with that. Uh, what I do, because since my dog is extremely large, mm-hmm. I have a copy cast of his print. Mm. Okay. I have a copy cast of <clears throat> a um, uh, Canadian Red Wolf print. So I have those, you know, in uh, resin that I take to the field with me that I can compare the track with. So if they fall within, you know, a domestic dog and a wolf, it's most likely a coyote or a domestic dog. Right. If it's much larger than my dog's paw print and much larger than a Canadian red wolf's print, then you may have something. So you have to have tools when you're in the field. Yeah. You know, you have when you. When you take pictures, you always have to lay something next to it mm-hmm. for size comparison. And like I said, you know, it's it's really good to have. And you can get castings of domestic dogs and uh, wolves and things like that uh, from uh, like bone clones, uh, acorn naturalists, things like that. So you can have those tools in the field with you to compare to tracks that you find. So you have to have every type of resource out there when you're out into the field. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And doing all this research, have you uh, have you done any research uh, in West Virginia by chance? Yeah, we have a group there that we do, you know, in West Virginia. Mostly, we've done it on the uh, Kentucky border side, the northern the northern part of Kentucky, going in where West Virginia. You know, we do a lot in that area. Because that's where it seems a lot of the sightings are taking place. Right. Where do you want to see the future of the research go? Is there anything in particular that you guys are looking to to do to take it forward? I, I see it going forward. I I see that sooner or later, evidence, a lot of good evidence is going to be found. Um, itself proving the existence of Dogman. I see that happening. Um, I, I love, you know, we, we've had DNA stuff done, um, hair samples that came back of an unknown species of canine that didn't match up to domestic dog or wolf. So we do have that, but that doesn't really prove anything per se. You actually need something physical like a skull or a body, to be honest with you. Right. So, yeah. So it, it, it's it's going to take time, but it is moving forward. If you want, if you could tell somebody, tell people out there that are looking into this, uh, what what is something that you would want to tell them? You know, just have fun doing it. Be safe. Always put safety before research. Um, talk to a lot of people that's in the field. Uh, you know, question a lot of stuff that you hear about mm-hmm. Dogman. You know, nothing wrong with doing that. Uh, but like I said, just talk to a lot of people in the field. Uh, get yourself in an organization. It doesn't have to be ours. It could be any. There's plenty of them out there. Right. Um, and just have fun doing what you're doing. Do a lot of research. Have a very open mind. You know, um, don't go out looking for something because if you go out looking for Dogman, you're going to find all kinds of evidence of Dogman that's not evidence of Dogman. So you have to be very skeptical skeptical and open-minded about how you do your research, you know. Um, and you, if you find something that, you know, you're not sure about uh, track-wise or evidence or something like that, reach out to us, reach out to other organizations. Right. Get other opinions. You know, don't ignore it because you may have something. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh... Definitely. Now, do you have any uh, 
conventions or new books or anything that uh, you want to talk about? We're, um, we're, I'm going to be speaking at a convention um, in Paris, Tennessee on August 13th, which is outside of LBL for the LBL uh, Land Between the Lakes um, conference. Uh, that's in August. That's going to be a really good event. Um, there's a magazine that's going to be coming out on um, mysteries of um, the world. Um, you can find that magazine online. You can find it like at your checkout line at the um, uh, grocery store and things like that. There's a company that puts out all these different magazines like Secret Societies, uh, Ghost Hunting, Witches, things like that. Every year they put stuff out, vampires. Right. They're doing stuff on werewolves and dogman. So we have some of our stuff that's in that magazine awesome. there. Um, uh, just... You know, that's kind of basic stuff right now. There's a lot of stuff kind of going on uh, behind the scenes I really can't talk about right now, which is going to be really benefit for the uh, field. Awesome. Um, yeah. So, yeah. But, you know, if anybody wants any information, they can contact me through Facebook or through the uh, website www.northamericandogmanproject.com. Uh, Awesome. Yeah, and I'll uh, I'll post all of those uh, links and stuff in the show notes and um, have people get a hold of you if they want to get a hold of you, man. Uh, this has been an excellent interview. I really appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, definitely a good time. Taking the time and uh, chatting with me and 